Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get favorite podcasts. Just search for the Rob O'Donnell Show. It is 5.09 here in the station, 77 degrees and sunny. It's time for Do I Have a Case with Frank Andrews. We'll be right back with the show in just a few minutes. Thank you very much, Rob, and good afternoon, everybody. Questions from all over northeastern and central Pennsylvania. Do I have a case? And the man with the answers for us is attorney Keith Figured. Keith, how are you today? I'm doing good, Frank. Hope you're doing well and hope you're also doing well, Rob. Yep, and the summer's going by quickly, so let's get to our questions. Who can file a claim for a wrongful death claim in Pennsylvania, and do I need to get an autopsy to file a claim? In Pennsylvania, a wrongful death claim arises when an individual's death is caused by negligent or reckless actions of another party. Um, It is typically brought by the surviving family members, such as the spouse, children, or parents of the deceased person. The right to bring a wrongful death claim generally lies with the personal representative of the deceased person's estate. To establish a wrongful death claim in Pennsylvania, certain elements need to be present. Uh, First is the duty of care. So you must demonstrate that the person or entity you are holding responsible had a duty of care toward the deceased. This could be a doctor, a driver, a property owner, or any other party with a legal obligation to ensure the safety and well-being of others. Next, you have to have a breach of that duty. So you need to establish that the responsible party breached their duty of care. This means they failed to fulfill their obligation or act negligently or recklessly. Um, Next, you have to have causation. You must demonstrate a direct causal connection between the breach of duty and the death of the individual. This means showing that the action or negligence of the responsible party directly result in the person's death. This is where the certificate of death, which lists the cause of death, is crucial to your claim. In situations where the cause of death is not clear or you do not agree with what is listed on the certificate of death as cause as the cause of death, an autopsy, an autopsy will likely be necessary to proceed with the wrongful death claim. Um, death of an individual, as the name suggests, wrongful death claims can only be filed if someone has died as a result of the negligence or misconduct of another party. The death must be a direct consequence of the defendant's actions. And then, of course, the damages, you must show that the the death has, uh, you must show that the death has caused financial, emotional, or other losses to the surviving family members or beneficiaries. These damages include medical expenses, funeral costs, lost income, loss of companionship, and pain and suffering. Now, as far as the autopsy questions, while an autopsy is not always necessary, it can provide valuable evidence to establish a cause of death and support a wrongful death claim. In cases of wrongful death, an autopsy serves multiple purposes. First, it helps establish the exact cause of death, shedding light on any underlying medical condition or injuries that may have contributed to the tragedy. Secondly, an autopsy can reveal any potential misconduct, malpractice, or errors committed by medical professionals involved in the victim's care. It can identify any misdiagnoses, improper treatments, or other medical mistakes that may have led to the untimely death. Finally, an autopsy can serve as an objective and scientific evaluation of the circumstances surrounding the death. It provides an impartial examination by experts who can provide their professional opinions and findings in a court of law. Now, the statute for limitations of 
uh, wrongful death claim is generally two years from the date of the decedent's death. So you want to consult promptly with an attorney uh, to ensure compliance with the filing deadline. Failing to file within the specified time may result in loss of the surviving family's right to seek compensation. All right. Now, the next question comes from your website, and a lot of people are checking that out, and uh, they have questions about what they're seeing. And, and the question specifically is about Pennsylvania Act 632-534. And could you please explain that, sir? Sure. So now a couple questions back. We discussed heart lung. Um, Act 632 and Act 534 benefits are similar um, in terms of the benefits they provide. Um, if we recall under heart and lung, it was 100% of the salary, but it had to be a temporary injury and it allowed for accrual of vacation, sick time, and retirement. Um, the difference between heart and lung and Act 632-534 is instead of heart and lung, which is specific to a classification of employee, Act 534 and 632 is specific to the employer or the department, for instance, Act 632 applies to employees that work for the Department of Corrections. Act 534 applies to employees that work for the Department of Public Welfare. Um, welfare. So, And then another difference is, is it doesn't have to be a temporary. These can be permanent injuries. Um, the other change is, um, and it's easier to contrast, which is why I'm going back and forth, heart and lung, you have to be injured in the performance of duties, whereas Act 632 or 534, you have to be injured by the act of an inmate or the act of a consumer. Um, and then one other differences although you get a hundred percent of your salary under heart and lung you actually get your pay raises whereas under x 632 534 your salary although it's a hundred percent it gets locked in as of the date of injury um, so you get a hundred percent but if there's pay raises going forward so Act 632 and 534 apply to specific employers. Uh, so if you work for the Department of Corrections or the Department of Public Welfare and you're injured by the act of an inmate or the act of a consumer, then you would apply. Now, if you also apply for heart and lung, you typically would get heart and lung first until such time as your injury is deemed to be permanent. Once it would be deemed to be permanent, then you would be placed on Act 632-534. Because these are typically Commonwealth employees, um, then there's also a collective bargaining agreement that further defines these benefits. So even though um, you may be entitled to them, you also have to be aware of uh, the collective bargaining agreement and the interplay between those benefits um, and whether or not you can be returned to light duty. Um, but, but that is something also that I do specialize in. I've handled thousands of those claims over the years, whether it be the workers' comp, the heart and lung, X632, uh, Act 534 claims. Um, and what people don't realize is that when you do have those claims and if you are collecting benefits, there's no reason why you shouldn't have an attorney because it doesn't cost you anything. Um, there's no fee taken out of those benefits. A lot of times the fee is derived from the workers' comp, so it doesn't even come out of your pocket. And even if you are collecting those benefits, uh, no fee would attach unless you have to go to court. So you really would want to reach out to somebody so that you know what your options are because if you usually have a claim for one of those benefits, they're pretty usually severe injuries and you really need to make sure you're setting yourself up and you know what your options are for moving forward. All right, and how do people get in touch with you if they have further questions? 
They can contact me directly at 570-954-9299. I can receive inquiries through email at keith at figuredlaw.com. And, uh, of course, you can get more information through my website at figuredlaw.com. All right. And, folks, we're, we're heading back to school already. And so if you have questions related to students, if questions related to anything, as long as it comes under the category, do I have a case, just send it to me, Frank Andrews at wilknewsradio.com. Again, that's Frank Andrews at WILKnewsradio.com. And, Keith, you have a good weekend. You as well, Frank, and you as well, Rob, and uh, always uh, a pleasure. All right, folks, let's get back to Rob. Well, Rob, and uh, always uh, a pleasure. All right, folks, let's get back to Rob. Thank you, Keith and Frank. We're back with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It's 517. Looks like the U.S. Department of Labor issued a notice this week of a proposal to increase the threshold for required overtime payments to salaried workers whose weekly or annual wages are considered low income. If enacted, the proposed rule would guarantee overtime pay for most salaried employees earning less than $1,059 per week or about $55,000 per year. It also calls for an escalator that automatically updates the salary threshold every three years to reflect current earnings data. The Labor Department estimates the rule could apply to about 3.6 million workers nationwide. You guys who are in what they call management positions, but making less than $55,000 a year, where you don't get entitled to overtime and such because of that loophole, would benefit from this. So, you know, it's a good thing as far as that goes. The possibility has sparked uh, opposition from some employers and business interests over the increased operational costs. Under current federal regulations, so-called white-collar employees earning at least $684 a week, the equivalent to $35,568, are generally exempt from receiving overtime pay. So, like I said, this is a boost that would up that from $35,500 a year up to $55,000 a year and have an escalator that increases every three years. The proposals aimed at salary employees not manual laborers or other blue-collar workers who are typically paid by the hour and entitled to minimum wages and overtime pay regardless of the income level. Generally, employees covered by the Federal Labor Standards Act must receive overtime pay if at a minimum of one and a half times their regular pay rate when they work more than 40 hours. Now you get the exemption that they use all the time. Job classification exempt from federal overtime employees. Requirements for salary employees may include executives, administrative, professional, creative, computer, outside sales, and highly compensated positions. The Labor Department's current exempt threshold was enacted in 2019 during the Trump administration and took effect in 2020. It was uh, a reduction from the 47,400 threshold established under the prior Obama administration. The current rules are no longer appropriate, said Acting Labor Secretary Julie Su, who called them outdated and out of sync. I've heard from workers again and again about working long hours for no extra pay, all we earning, all while earning low salaries that don't come anywhere close to the compensating. And, and we all know the employers out there that take advantage of this situation. Yes, you're labeled a manager. Yes, you're labeled, you know, one of those exempt 
you know, salaried exempt is the big, big thing that you'll see, you know, when it's offered. And there are places out there that want you to work tremendous hours involved with that. You know, this kind of levels that playing field and it's going to up it from the 35,000 up to 55,000 if passed. And uh, we'll see what happens. The Department of Labor's proposed overtime regulation is the wrong rulemaking at the wrong time, said Mark Freeman, vice president of the workplace policy for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Freeman said the proposal spikes the salary threshold by more than 50 percent and will increase costs for small businesses, nonprofits and other employees at a time when businesses already face persistent workforce shortages that are hindering the economy. The proposed regulation also includes an automatic escalator clause that lacks statutory authorization and guarantees the salary threshold will become unworkable in just a few short years. The U.S. Chamber hopes that the Department of Labor heeds the comments and input from the employers and makes significant changes in the proposal. In contrast, U.S. Senator Patty Murphy, Democrat of Washington, issued a Thursday statement saying workers should be compensated fairly when they work long hours. It's that simple. And again, this is something they need to find a balance on that will protect small businesses and the people they're saying it will hurt, and the worker, who oftentimes gets taken advantage of with long hours and no increased pay. It's 522 here in WILK. It's time for Traffic and Weather. Thank you, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Data Internet. A little bit of a fender bender on North Main Avenue in Taylor that might hold you up right around the commons. We have heavy traffic on 81. You can expect to dip below the speed limit in various areas between Wilkesbury and Scranton. 81 in both directions as well. Waverly to Lenox. That is crawling due to the ongoing road work in that area. Heavy traffic heading into the back mountain as well that might slow you up a bit. And on Route 6 and 11 heading up the hill in Clark Summit. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone. WILK traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Starting Sunday, high temperatures may climb into the 90s and remain there for the next several days. If we hit three consecutive days with afternoon temperatures in 90 plus, we will establish our first heat wave of 2023. Friday night, clear and cool, low 51. Saturday, sun and clouds, high 83. Sunday, sunny and muggier, high 90. Monday, sunny, mostly sunny, hot and humid, high 93. It's currently 77 degrees and sunny here in Pittston at 523, your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM. Anywhere on that Odyssey app on this uh, Friday of Labor Day weekend for 2023. It's 527 here in the studio, 77 degrees and uh, sunny outside. Let's go to the phone. You can call or text at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phone. We have uh, Dave comes from Kingston on Labor Day, which is like talking proper tomahawk steak preparation with a vegan. But, Dave, what do you have about Labor Day? Dave, you there? Hello. Yeah, we got you now. Okay. 
So, hey, Rob, I don't get what the vegan thing meant. I do work, I, despite what any texters or callers says. So, by the way, I just want to say I hope you and other people at Wilk have a great day off, and other people who have off on Labor Day have a great Labor Day as well. And we could thank, you know, unions and workers uniting to get Labor Day off and the Democrat Party. We know the Republican Party is completely against uh, workers and unions. Okay, unions are stronger than ever under Joe Biden right now. Workers have wages up, uh, which have been stagnant for the last 40 years Dave, ever since Dave, Reagan. What, Reagan what you, destroyed Dave, the union. Dave, what union do you belong to? Uh, doesn't matter. I support workers. What union do you belong to, Dave? You. What union do you belong I, to, Dave? Because because I belong so, to a union, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners belong to a union. And yeah, for you great. saying they're stronger than ever under the Biden administration is just simply not true for us it union members. It's definitely is true. Reagan and every Republican. Yeah, I know. Have and, and, one day Nick, and one day Nixon did something, and then there was George no, Washington. No. Who, so, Rob, who you know that Republicans and red states give are the history, right to work states, Dave. Give me the history which of undermine unions. Dave, give me the history of. Labor Day. So, Rob, give me the history of Labor Day. Where was the first? Where was the first? Where was the first Labor Day celebrated? Uh, I'm not sure. I forget. I don't know. Do you know the year it was celebrated? Do you know who founded it? I I don't know. Tell me who. It was founded by Eisenhower. No, it was founded by in 1882 by Peter J. McGuire, who was the General Secretary of the Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners. The first one was held in New York City. in, uh, so now you you attacked me for going back 18, to Reagan and Nick and he brought Nixon. No, Dave, Dave, so I, atta- I, attack, I, attack, I attack you. Oh, um, that's the history of Labor Day, Dave. That's the, great. That's the history. Yeah. You, you just want to attack uh, Republicans. You just want to attack Republicans. There's so the Rob, difference there. See, I'm, I'm talking on a basic right history. Dave, and here, here I'm going with Peter J. McGuire. I don't have no clue what his political affiliation is. He's just the general no. secretary of the Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners. He founded okay, Labor Day in 1882. No, you're talking you just want to bash Republicans. So That's all Republicans you want to do with the same circulating. Not only undermine unions, the they undermine all things. workers. Dave, there's a place for unions and there's a place not for unions. You wouldn't know so, that because right you don't belong break, to one. Have you, you ever belonged to one, Dave? Have you ever belonged to a union, Dave? Dave, have you ever belonged to a union? So have you right ever belonged break. to a union, Dave? No, well, I then, work then, for myself. Then, then the conversation's over. I appreciate you calling in, playing today. You win the consolation prize. Ding, 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 ding. It's 531 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the news. Now uh, you you attacked me for going back 18, to Reagan and Nick, and you brought Nixon. No, Dave, Dave, so I, attack, I, attack, I, attack, I attack you. Um, that's the history of Labor Day. Dave, that's the, great. That's the history. Yeah. You, you just want to attack Republicans. You just want to attack Republicans. There's so the Rob, difference there. See, I'm, I'm talking on a basic right history. To work Dave, and here, here I'm going with Peter J. McGuire. I don't have no clue what his political affiliation is. He's just the general no. secretary of the Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners. He founded okay, Labor Day I'm in 1882. Talking about current no, politics. you're talking. You just want to bash. Republicans. So That's all Republicans you want to do with the same circulating. Not only undermine unions, they undermine all things. workers. Dave, there's a place for unions and there's a place not for unions. You wouldn't know so, that because right you don't belong break, to one. Have you, you ever belonged to one, Dave? Have you ever belonged to a union, Dave? Dave, have you ever belonged to a union? So have you right ever belonged to a union, Dave? No, well, I then, work for then, myself. Then, then the conversation's over. I appreciate you calling in, playing today. You win the consolation prize. Ding, 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 ding. 
It's 531 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the news. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 536 here on this Friday Labor Day weekend. Like always, I dig into the facts. And here's the Bureau of Labor Statistics.gov statistics on labor union participation. And under Joe Biden in 2022, the last time it was taken, union membership is at the lowest as it's been in three decades. Four decades. Four decades. It's at 10.1. That's where union membership stands right now. Under the Trump administration, it was at, give me a second here, 10.5 in 2018, 20.7 in 2017, and 10.7 in 2016. Under the Biden administration, it's been at 10.3 last year uh, in 2021 and 10.1 before that. Do you know when labor union participation was at its most? Yeah, that was under Ronald Reagan from 1983 to 1988. In 89, it started to decline, and it's been on a steady decline since. It had a bump in uh, 2014, in 2008. And it took another bump in 2019. But under the uh, Biden administration, labor union participation, union membership rates are at its lowest since 1983, where it was at its highest, and that's when it started to actually be tracked. So under Ronald Reagan's administration, as per the Bureau of Labor Statistics.gov, government agency, under the Biden administration currently, the Reagan administration mandated that union membership be tracked, and it's been tracked ever since. And under the Biden administration, it's not only the less it's been union membership rates in America, it's the lowest it's been since 1983, it's much lower than it was under even Donald Trump. And again, that's not touting Donald Trump. It's come steadily down since then. So no, Joe Biden is not doing much better as far as union memberships. Being a union member, yes, we are not flourishing. We are suffering from the same things that everybody else is suffering from. Inflation, high interest rates, everything costs more. It's as simple as that. Let's go to the phones real quick. We have uh, Joe from the Back Mountain on unions. Joe. Yeah, you can hear me okay? I got you. Okay, listen, I, I've been a member. I've been cur- currently a member of a lar- rather large union, and I've been a member in the past of another uh, pretty much large union. And my benefits and my rights as a worker were never affected by a, a Republican administration either way, okay? <laughs> Things went on as usual. What, what affects union membership more than anything is the state of the economy. When, when factories leave the country and jobs go overseas, well, guess what? If you don't have a job, you really can't have much of a union, can you? No. Uh, so it's been the economy that has affected. The, okay. And that's probably being reflected right now uh, in, in the, during the Biden administration. Things aren't as great and rosy as they said their economic report today. They created 187,000 jobs. Uh, that's probably 187,000 second and third part-time jobs that people took because they're trying to survive with inflation 
was up to eight and a half, nine percent. And those prices aren't coming down. Okay, these are prices real. This is real money that's gone in, in, four, in three years out of people's lives, out of their paychecks. Well, just inflation doesn't go out. down. Inflation doesn't go down, and that affects union members just as it does everyone else. How many years right. have you been in a union, Joe? Would you say? Uh, well, I've been in the current one 15 years, and I was in another one for five. All right, so 20 years, that's your perspective. Things have never yep. been, uh, things things have never hurt you under a Republican administration, and now no, we're, no, now we're feeling them. I, I appreciate right. that, that, that expert opinion. You're a union member, I'm a union member. Um, you know, we, 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 see, we look at things the same way right. here. Can I say one other thing? Sure. That you, people who, uh, yeah, I, you know, these people are going to be great in the Star Trek generation when it gets here. They're going to be cling on because they cling on to an idea. That the Democrats, anything they're affiliated with, things are better and exist because of Democrats. I, I, I pray to God that their eyes would open up, that, you know, there's good people on both sides. And, and stop this. Stop this partisanship. It's insanity. America is a great country. Your freedom, your liberty is your birthright. And these fools are giving it up by clinging to these partisan ideas. I couldn't have said it better myself, Joe. Joe, you have a great Labor Day weekend. God bless you, brother. Thank you. It's uh, 542 here. We should just end the show on that. Yeah, that was pretty good. I just can't wait to celebrate Labor Day weekend when I don't work. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Sorry, did I say that out loud? Yeah. You know? I don't think it's going to happen for us. I don't. Yeah, I'll be working until I die. I've decided that. <laughs> Two, die. three, four jobs. It's okay. Yep. <laughs> it's 542 here at WIK. It's time for traffic and weather. Hey, thanks, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Data Internet. We do have heavy traffic out on 81 that is causing slowing in spots between Wilkes-Barre and Scranton. You can expect to dip below the speed limit. It is still very jammed up on 81 in both directions between Waverly and Lenox. That's all due to that road work. And we're looking at some heavy traffic heading into the back mountain on Route 309, the Dallas Memorial. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone. W-I-L-K traffic. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Nikki. You too. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, Friday night, clear and cool, low 51. Perfect night to kick off the weekend with a fire outside. Saturday, sun and clouds, high 83. Sunday, sunny and muggier, high 90. Monday, mostly sunny, hot, and humid, high 93. It's currently 76 degrees and sunny here at 543, your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is 548 here at the station, 76 degrees and sunny. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to button up news-wise to kind of get to you that I didn't get through during the show today. Well, first and foremost, the Fulton County, Georgia judge overseeing the 2020 election interference racketeering case against former President Donald Trump and 18 co-defendants says that all proceedings in his courtroom related to the case will be live-streamed and allowed to be televised. So that's pretty much the real thing. This will not include portions that are moved to federal court if they are. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that, but it's going to be a show, to say the least. But I, I think it's not a bad thing because... There'll be no doubt of what went on then. There'll not be no hearsay, no different takes. I mean, we'll be able to see it for ourselves, what what transpired in court. So we'll see if that moves through there. That's one of the the bigger 
updates in that I wanted to touch base on. Uh, if you're, if you are or plan to flying out of uh, Lehigh Valley Airport, there's a new TSA checkpoint that started this week, and more changes are coming. So uh, let's see if we can get into that. In the Lehigh Valley International Airport is set to introduce its new TSA checkpoint and terminal connector. Uh, it opened. Uh, Wednesday into Thursday, the new facility addresses critical operation needs, which includes the world's first airport to deploy a life air system, significantly reducing airborne and surface pathogens, including COVID-19. So if you're flying, I, I, I actually like flying out of the Lehigh Valley Airport. I like flying out of the airport here. They just don't go to places that I need to go to. They have connections. I'd rather not connect. Uh, I'd rather go direct. And... Uh, you know, there are a few places that uh, I believe it's a Legionnaire flies out of Lehigh Valley that goes direct to Florida, to Savannah, Georgia, to, to I think, is it Nashville? Maybe even Nashville. We'll see. But there are some good updates there, a new TSA checkpoint and a new air system that basically kills the germs in the air. Why don't we put those in our school systems? That would be a good idea now, wouldn't it? Um. Let's see. It's it's the first. It's the world's first airport to install a life air system manufactured in the Lehigh Valley itself. The system is designed to reduce airborne pathogens, including COVID nineteen, more than ninety nine percent, and was shown in recent healthcare studies to reduce ninety six percent of harmful surface pathogens. Well, that's a good thing. But why don't we look to put those in our schools? Maybe instead of building a new gym or a new field, we could put one of those air systems in your school and make it uh, 99% germ-free and efficient. One of the other uh, things that just uh, came out 35 minutes ago, and I appreciate the text messenger for sending that to me, uh, is Luzerne County Children and Youth license has been fully restored. It's no longer provisional. They were working towards uh, correcting that. They have been hiring new staff. Now, listen. When I when I look to praise the Luzerne County Children and Youth System, it's just in comparison to it to the Lackawanna County Children and Youth System, which is a train wreck right now. So the, yes, there's plenty of ground to be made. But if you listen to the new director over there, if you look at the strides they made, yes, they have plenty of ground to still gain. But they're going in the right direction. They're doing the right things to move forward to create a different atmosphere there, to rid the toxic atmosphere. Not saying it's not there anymore. I'm just saying they're doing, they're moving in the positive direction to fix it. They're hiring new staff. They're doing their recruiting. You know, where Lackawanna County says, we just can't hire anybody. But yet Luzerne County is hiring people. They hired 10, I think, last month. So when I compare the two, when I praise Luzerne County and say, yes, it's a good job. It's a good job for the county. It's a good good thing for the county that they've gotten their full licensing back. And if they keep moving in the right direction, I'm going to keep saying, yes, they're moving in the right direction. They they deserve to be praised for moving in the right direction. It doesn't mean they're there yet. It doesn't mean I'm saying they're doing everything perfect. They're great there. But if you look at it as compared to their sister organization, the Lackawanna County Office of Children and Youth, it's a train wreck. 
it's, it's an absolute mess that needs to be dissembled from the top down, not meaning some of the employees there, the caseworkers, the supervisors, shouldn't be retained and given proper structure, proper supervision, a proper working environment to do the job they're going to do. It's just obvious there that there's a top-down issue that needs to be corrected. And I think before that's corrected, which will start at the commissioner's level hopefully in November because you got lame duck commissioners that are requiring pretty much nothing but surrounding the, the bandwagons um, to defunct directors who obviously didn't have a plan and don't have a plan to correct the situation over there. So when I put the two together, don't, don't misconstrue my praising their advancements as they've gotten to their goal yet. So I just want to put that across there when we go. And also we have, uh, let me pull up the, ne- the one of the other stories I want to touch on. We're pretty much in budget deja vu in Harrisburg. We, we, we know that the Senate met in an unusual emergency session or an unusual session. I don't know if it was considered an emergency session, but they don't meet in the summer. They met this week. And basically, they punted a lot of budget issues back to the House to, for the House to fight it out. Uh, the Senate was, for lack of a better term, misled by the governor's promise of school vouchers and his, his turning his back on that at the last minute. And they've, they gave concessions to things that they normally wouldn't have to get those school voucher systems to let students in the most pouring, poor performing districts in our, in our state take those vouchers and go elsewhere, go to a better performing school, be it a cyber school, be it a private school, be it whatever, whatever it is. And I think it would, have been, it would have been a good test program. The money's there. It's doable. What's standing in the way? Democrats and the unions, the teachers union, you know, specifically siding with the Democrats, flooding money into the Democrats saying, we don't want this because we're afraid of, we're afraid of competition. We're afraid of what's going to happen. We like the same old, same old. We don't care if our, State achievement scores are down. We don't care if SATs are down. We, we don't care. It's about our security, not about making better students here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So basically, the Senate kicked everything back to the House to sort out. And it's even set as an unorthodox strategy that brought the, the process no closer to conclusion. Uh, and that's what let legislators say. One bill directs spending on community colleges, libraries, hospitals, nursing homes, emergency services, and stream remediation. The second devouts funding to school voucher program and education tax credits, two controversial issues that have stalled the progress on the budget for two months. By the Senate moving this over to the House, it just creates more of a mess that it's not going to be worked out anytime soon. And again, the House does not come back. They do not resume. Well, both both chambers don't resume till September 26th. So now, unless the House calls a special session, there's really nothing that's going to be done until the end of September. And again, this is a lot of education funding that, that we're, that's being talked about here. It's a lot of issues that's being talked about here. So those are kind of cramming everything uh, that I wanted to get into during today's show into a small synopsis. Maybe I should do this more often, just give you the the bullet point news media items and uh, get it out of the way. It's 556 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show to close it out on this Labor Day weekend. Well, that's it for the Rob O'Donnell Show on this Labor Day weekend 2023. Hopefully you have great plans planned for this weekend. If not, just relax, 
spend some quality time with yourself, recharge those batteries, but, uh, you know, truly try and get out there, spend some time with your loved ones, your families, your friends, and have a great weekend. Great things going on in our area. La Festa Italiano starting this afternoon. It's already started already. Um, you know, hanging out over there, food, fun, music. Where better can you see Frank Sinatra and Frankie Valli uh, impersonators singing their greatest hits? Just have a great weekend with your friends and family. I plan on doing that, and I'm going to be back. I'm going to be off for a couple days, so I'll be back on Thursday. You'll have Sue Henry on Tuesday and Wednesday. God bless. Be safe. This is the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Happy Labor Day. WILK FM HD 104.